The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Big and bold. Big and bold. That's how Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said the infrastructure plan that they discussed with President Trump is going to go. They're going to meet again in three weeks at the White House with Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin. But how are they going to pay for it? We'll ask an all-star panel, including Kevin Walling, a Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media, and Rick Tyler. He's a Republican strategist and co-founder and partner at Foundry Strategies and Communications Director. He was the communications director for the Ted Cruz 2016 presidential campaign, plus President Trump urging a steep Fed rate cut as central bankers hold their meeting. Uh-oh, more politicization of the central bank. All of that, uh, plus the latest in terms of what Congress is going to be up to. And Kellyanne Conway, I was at the White House earlier today. Kellyanne Conway talking for more than 30 minutes to reporters. I'll bring you the latest. She had one person on her mind, former Vice President Joe Biden. Before we dive into a busy day at the White House, Rick Tyler, he is a Republican strategist and co-founder and partner at Foundry Strategies. He is the former communications director for the Ted Cruz 2016 presidential campaign. Rick, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Kevin. Great to be here. And Kevin Walling is a Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media. Kev, you've got a great name. Thanks. I love I love yours. Thank you. It's a great name. So earlier today, we start out the day at the White House, right? It's a beautiful day in Washington. And everyone thinks, okay, we're going to talk about infrastructure. And a lot of big developments on infrastructure because you have the Democratic leadership from Capitol Hill meeting with President Trump. So they're, you know, in the press corps, there's all this buzz on this beautiful day in Washington. Is it going to be a bad meeting like the last time? Remember the last meeting when oh, yeah. the cameras and, and they pretty, it was like watching, an, truthfully, an episode of The Apprentice, like the boardroom, but inside of the Oval. Well, this meeting went better. But before that meeting even got started, Kelly Ann Conway. Kelly Ann Conway, special counselor to the President of the United States, walks out to a gaggle of reporters, takes questions, fields questions for more than 30 minutes. More than 30 minutes, mind you. More than 30 minutes is longer than 
a White House press briefing. And she did it all in one breath. <laughs> well, no, but she, but she had one person on her mind, and that's former Vice President Joe Biden. We're going to play a little bit of that coming up on later in the show, but it really was remarkable how today got started. Uh, not to mention, we get this big meeting. Did you guys follow this meeting with, with uh, Speaker Pelosi and Minority Leader Schumer? I was on the air in MSNBC at the exactly. time. Yeah. And we what did you make late. of it? Because I, they, they walk out of the Oval Office, and the first words out of her mouth are, it's going to be big and bold. Positive, positive messaging. So you mentioned the other meeting. The other meeting was when Nancy, Chuck and Nancy went to, the White House, went to the White House, sat in the Oval Office, and they pretty much had their way with Donald Trump. And their goal was, of course, to get him to admit that he would be responsible for a government shutdown. He took the bait and did it, and then Chuck reaffirmed it. If the government shuts down, it's not our fault. So we went, we went through that whole process. Well, he wasn't going to repeat that again, which proves that he can learn. And so, but we went through the whole meeting, and then we were wondering what's going to happen. And then Chuck and Nancy came out and um, gave their uh, pre- little press conference. And you know, when you, when we talk about a trillion dollars in infrastructure, we think two well, trillion. Well, but that's the thing. We've always been talking about a trillion, and then you think, well, maybe it would be eight hundred billion, maybe it'd be half of a trillion. But no, we got to go big and bold, right? So it's two trillion dollars, and the Democrats seem really, really happy about it. But we don't know exactly what happened in that meeting or what Trump thinks about it. Yeah, we how ha- we're going to pay for it. Yeah, we haven't seen the readout from the president in terms of reaction to that meeting. I missed uh, Speaker Pelosi in that orange jacket today. That was the only disappointing thing coming out of the White House. Uh, but, you know, as you said, Kev, big and bold, they agreed to meet again in three weeks uh, with uh, Secretary Mnuchin to talk about how to actually pay for it. Uh, my belief is if you borrowed $1.5 trillion to pay for tax cuts for the most wealthy in corporate America, you should be able to find the money to pay for this. Let's play a little bit from that uh, press conference. Here's Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer talking about the infrastructure meeting. Here he is. It's clear that both the White House and all of us want to get something done on infrastructure in a big and bold way. And there was goodwill in this meeting. And so in addition to that, I I was struck by two things, right? Top line view, $2 trillion plan, big question on how they're going to pay for it. It's going to include broadband, broadband, broadband. That's a huge win for a lot of different companies and and various, uh, particularly in that that they're now included in the discussion. That's that's a major underscoring. Speaker Pelosi did give a shout out to the Society of Civil Engineers or the American Society of Engineering, uh, which is another big nonpartisan issue. Uh, But... Then I think you you, got to look at the politics of all of this, and in particular, three weeks from now, whether or not the president can continue the support from the Democrats, but also get the support of his own party. Rick, you know this. You're a Republican strategist. Something tells me that there are folks in the Republican Party who are going to be like, wait, how are you going to pay for this? Well, there was curious about several levels. One is – Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer kept talking about bipartisanship, and yet there was no Republicans to be seen. They weren't in the meeting. Mitch McConnell wasn't there. Uh, Leader McCarthy wasn't there. So we have yet to understand how and, – and then they talked about not just broadband, which I think is a good deal. So, look, speaking as a conservative, right, I think government should do some things well, and one of them is infrastructure. Like take care of our roads and bridges so we, so truckers have good roads to drive on and people who are driving are safe on bridges. There's over 100 bridges in Mississippi alone that have, are con- either condemned or are on a, on a, on a watch list, and, and that's a red state. So 
watch that. I mean, how, you know, not only is it how, who's going to get paid for, but whose infrastructure projects are actually going to get funded. Yeah, it's a great point, Rick. You know, and, and I was actually interested to, to hear Speaker Pelosi and Leader uh, uh, Schumer talk about the, the green aspect of it. So they overemphasized environmental issues, quality of life. They talked about traffic. They talked about jobs, jobs, jobs. Uh, again, the question is how to pay for it. Uh, and if the, the president can, can use some of his uh, negotiating skills to get the, the core elements of his base – I want, to, I want to play a bit of what Speaker Pelosi had to say about the biggest question mark in all of this, which is how to pay for it. Here's Speaker Pelosi. What remains to be seen is a, a, another. A, we agreed that we would meet again uh, to talk about how it would be paid for. Well, so no one knows how they're going to pay for it, and except then, she put the burden on the president. She put well. She put the burden on the president, and but, but even I, I mean, I remember. I remember after the midterm elections when President Trump addressed us in the, in the White House press corps and he said, if you're going to talk about impeachment, if you're going to talk about investigations, no deal. Either investigate or legislate. This is the same day in the same 24-hour news cycle. This is a White House that has issued – uh, legal documents to say that they are not going to Deutsche Bank to say that they are not going to comply uh, with these investigations and uh, on Capitol Hill. And Speaker Pelosi was asked about that, as was Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. And Schumer said that you can essentially walk and chew gum at the same time. And literally in that meeting, you had Richie Neal, congressman from Massachusetts, chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, who's been demanding the president's tax returns on the couch, talking to him about infrastructure. It's going to be interesting to see this dynamic at play. See, I think there's something else going on here, right? We didn't hear from the president, and the Democrats came out, and they were all happy. They seemed to get everything they want and more, like maybe even a trillion dollars more. Uh, and it looked all really good, but... It, was that, but that was the case the last time with the Chuck and Nancy meeting before the, the, the most recent one. He agreed to everything the Democrats put down. Right. And so, you know, I, I remain a skeptic whether this yeah, whole I'm thing skeptical. is actually going to get yeah. done. I'm skeptical because the And it's window. something government should do. This is what, something that we should agree and, that we need to get done. And listen, we don't even have resolution on the disaster relief packages facing Congress right now. That should be a no-brainer agreement point, and we can't get that done. It's like if you were looking at today in a history book. You've got one data point of positivity in terms of Democratic leadership. You've got a White House going after Deutsche Bank and saying that they're not going to comply with the investigations. And you've got a senior advisor in Kellyanne Conway just before that meeting going after who could be the Democratic presidential nominee. Joe Biden. Coming up, more from Kellyanne Conway. Panel stays. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Beautiful day here in Washington. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On. We're ready to make a real deal, not the deal that was done. They're having big problems. I don't want them to have problems. Our stock market is way up. I always want to tell the truth. When I can, I tell the truth. Behind the Tweet with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Behind the Tweet, it's that series that we do when the president tweets something well, he tweets all the time. But when he tweets something that we feel we should flag and dive into the policy behind it, I'm joined for the hour by my good friends Rick Tyler, Republican strategist and co-founder and partner at Foundry Strategies. He's also the former communications director for the Ted Cruz 2016 presidential campaign. And Kevin Walling, 
Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media. And I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You know, earlier in the program, we were talking about the policy behind the infrastructure meeting with Democratic leadership that went on today at the White House and how there was positive rhetoric coming out after that meeting when Speaker Pelosi and Minority Leader Schumer went to the sticks, as they're called, the sticks. Did you know that they're called that? The sticks. Right outside of the Oval Office, there are sticks of microphones for people who are in the Oval Office to come out and talk. And and they said that they want to go, quote, unquote, big and bold, big and bold on infrastructure. But dot, dot, dot to be continued because they're going to have another meeting in three weeks. So while all of this is going on, President Trump tweeted, and he tweeted that, quote, China is adding great stimulus to its economy while at the same time keeping interest rates low. Our Fed has incessantly lifted interest rate, even though inflation is very low, and instituted a very big dose of quantitative tightening. We have the potential to go up like a rocket if we did some lowering of rates, like one point, and some quantitative easing. Yes, we are doing very well with 3.2% GDP, but with our wonderfully low inflation, we could be setting major records and at the same time make our national debt start to look small. So all of this comes, as the president tweets, as Fed officials begin their two-day meeting or uh, began a two-day meeting in Washington. Rick, I mean, you're a Republican, so I, you know, you're going to get my first question here. It used to be when the Fed is meeting, the president should not talk about the independent central bank. This tweet indicates otherwise. Why is he tweeting this? Well, that's right. I mean, the Federal Reserve, and there's plenty of criticism to share about the Federal Reserve, but it is supposed to be an independent branch, and it was set aside uh, from political concerns. And the president had a political concern, and his concern is that the economy uh, keep roaring forward. Um, And look, you know what the Fed is actually concerned about right now? What? Deflation. (laughs) Because their arbitrary benchmark is 2% uh, inflation, and we're currently at one6 And you know what else they don't know? They don't know why it's happening. <laughs> like, right, they like, don't. They don't know why it's happening. So, you know, they're not moving rates, and Trump wants them to cut them to make to make uh, apps, access to capital easier. Uh, but they're probably right along. But what I think Trump is doing politically, he's he's setting up a fall guy, right? So if we do have a, re- I'm not saying we're going to have a recession, but let's just say we have. There's a debate about about whether or not there's going to be. Well, a there recession. may be, but the, but if there's a setback. He wants to be able to say it's not my fault. It's the Fed's fault, and I've been telling him all along. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with Rick more in terms of the, the idea that the president setting this the, the Fed up as a fall guy. You know, you went after Jerome Powell, that you know the the chairman that he installed. I mean, the last time you know uh, we called for a one percent reduction uh, was during the height of the recession in two thousand eight to literally save the economy. So either he doesn't really understand, I think, the fundamentals of our economy, or he's actually you know trying to be strategic here and make the Fed the enemy. Well, I think even beyond this, right, and and, and this specific tweet, which he tweets the same day as the infrastructure meeting, and I do want to note that there is debate amongst Federal Reserve and and national economists about whether or not our economy could absorb economic stimulus from something like a massive infrastructure plan and whether or not that would have negative impacts. There are, are smart folks who say it could. There are smart folks who say, hey, maybe not so fast. But that so that is a debate that's happening on infrastructure. The president 
also makes note of China. And this is the week where Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin and U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer are, are over in Beijing negotiating in the final stages of the U.S.-China trade deal. And, and Secretary Mnuchin had said publicly over the weekend to the New York Times that this is in the final lap. So, so the, they say. So, so they say. So the president clearly, though, in this tweet, talking about the central bank with a debate going on about a potential recession, talking about China as these trade talks uh, continue. And let's not forget, while we're talking about the Fed, he nominated two people to the Fed board, one of which, Herman Cain, had to withdraw because the intense, the intense scrutiny. And now we hear from Stephen Moore, a smart – in conservative circles, a well-known firebrand in conservative circles. And his chances for winning a seat on the Federal Reserve Board are looking increasingly uncertain because today, Senator Lindsey Graham, a Republican from South Carolina, a friend, Rick, of President Trump, told reporters that Moore would be a quote-unquote very problematic nomination – you combine that with Senators Richard Shelby, a, a conservative from Alabama, and Senator Joni Ernst, a Republican from Iowa. I mean, Stephen Moore and the Fed, Rick. I mean, it's not looking good. Clearly, Lindsey Graham had a conversation with the President Trump, and he didn't uh, listen to him. So the second default is to go to the media and say essentially the same thing, <laughs> and maybe he'll hear it that way. Is that how it works? I mean, yeah. Seriously. Oh, I'm sure. Is that how yeah, it works? That's- yeah, if you can't get attention to your boss, you know, he does read the paper. Um, <laughs> he watches. Or he watches. And he watches, yeah. yeah. Right, right. Um, so – Go ahead. And, and listen, very problematic is Washington speak for do not put this person <laughs> up here. You know, a nice way to say it. But when you've lost Lindsey Graham, if you're Donald Trump, you know, you might as well throw in the towel. All right. Coming up, we're going to talk more politics, more policy. We hear from Kellyanne Conway and that gaggle as it's referred to in the biz, that she had for more than 30 minutes with reporters. Download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, and you are listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Tell me, what is the problem, Fran- Francesca, with the, um, the Democratic primary elected? That they, are they sexist and racist? Do they not want all, the, all these women who are running, all these people of color? Because apparently you got the two old, white, straight men career politicians in the lead. Bernie Ooh. Sanders and Joe Biden, you got to go take that off with the Democratic primary electorate. I'm not in their polling. Donald Trump doesn't vote in the Democratic primaries. Oh, blistering. That was Kellyanne Conway 
just a small snippet of her uh, press conference, really, with uh, the White House press corps earlier today at the White House. And let me tell you, I was at the White House earlier today. That was all anybody was talking about, even more so than Speaker Pelosi and Minority Leader Chuck Schumer having that meeting with President Trump about infrastructure. Kellyanne Conway walks out before that meeting, talks to reporters, including our colleague in the White House press corps, Francesca Chambers, uh, who writes for the Daily Mail, uh, and completely just goes after former Vice President Joe Biden, uh, who, of course, was giving a speech earlier today and making the case, going after the same working class voters that uh, President Trump was able to win in the previous election in states like Pennsylvania, where I grew up, as well as Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Florida, obviously, Ohio. So it's interesting. I'm joined for the hour by uh, uh, some folks who know a thing or two about elections and know a, a thing or two about battleground states. Rick Tyler is a Republican strategist and co-founder and partner at Foundry Strategies. He was the communications director for the Ted Cruz 2016 presidential campaign. Kevin Walling is a Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media. Okay, Kevin, you hear from Kellyanne Conway for more than 30 minutes today going after Joe Biden. Your response? Yeah, I mean, clearly they're they're very nervous. They're scared. You can see from the president's Twitter account just how how uh, serious they're taking this challenge by Vice President Biden. I, I mean, I think it's it's silly and bogus for someone like Kellyanne Conway, who works for a guy who got the lowest number of votes from people of color in a generation as a Republican, to be out there talking about Democratic politics uh, in this primary. Joe Biden's got a lot of support from across the board. He, his numbers are huge in South Carolina, where African Americans make up a good portion of that electorate. So he's going to play well across the board. She also didn't seem to notice that her own boss is in his 70s and a, and a white straight male, the ones she, she was criticizing as well. Look, I think Joe Biden actually surprised a lot of people and played this very smart. He went right for Donald Trump, and nobody else had really done that. And there were varying strategic reasons why people thought that. But Joe Biden's best attribute is that he can make a case that I can beat uh, Donald Trump. And I think he's right about that. And the fact that he raised $6.3 million in 24 hours beating everybody else uh, is a game changer. And of course, they're worried about him because uh, Joe Biden uh, could could be, beat Donald Trump. Why? Because he's lunch bucket Joe from Scranton, Pennsylvania. You know, it, it, Rick, welcome to Team Joe Biden. We are so excited <laughs> I, to I'm, have you. I'm a political. I'm a, I know I get that a lot, but I'm a political analyst. I just call it as I see him. I call balls and strikes. I don't care who strikes out. Joe made a very smart launch. Welcome, as, to, well, the, well, welcome others, to the team. Some of us made good launches too, but not everybody. So what's it? So over the weekend was the White House Correspondents Center. And I'm there, and I, and I bump into uh, the IAFF general president, Harold Schaefer. The firefighters. Uh, so they're the, they represent uh, the largest uh, – the International Association of Firefighters, so the Firefighter Union. Mm-hmm. And I asked them, and I said, you know, it was, it was not a secret that they were going to come out today and endorse uh, former Vice President Biden. But I said, okay, so why – and, and, and do you, sir, with all due respect, no disrespect mentioned, do you carry the message for your members? Because that was the biggest development. Rick, you know this. Kevin, you know this. That was the biggest twist in the last cycle, which was you had the top-line union leaders, the bosses, the boss of the unions endorsing Hillary 
And then you had the the folks in the unions that I interviewed on the campaign trail, and they were telling a very different story, Kevin. So why why is it different this time around? Yeah, Kevin, it's a great point. I mean, we we lost union households, right? When when folks, you know, in, in my estimation, were voting against their own self interest because you know the president has put forward ideas for right to work across the board and, and nationwide. Uh, but I, you know, I I think in the case of the firefighters, they've always been passionate about uh, Joe Biden. I think they endorsed him back in two thousand eight. Uh, when he was running against the field with Barack Obama and, and Hillary Clinton uh, in, in that fight. Uh, but he is going to make a play. Again, it's 70,000 votes across three states was what decided the Electoral College. Again, many of them white working class. He's making a fight for the soul of this nation based on uh, engaging with the middle class. So Biden gives an interview in his first interview since announcing his candidacy. He sat down with ABC's Robin Rod- Roberts. And, and she asked if, if uh, he was confident that he's going to win the nomination. Uh, here, here's what the former vice president said in response to that question. Whether I win the nomination or not is going to depend on the Democrats. And whether or not I beat Donald Trump is going to depend on the American people. But um, like I said, everybody knows who Donald Trump is. So I, I was talking about this with some of my colleagues earlier today, Rick, which was during the last cycle, there was a crowded Republican field, and no one thought Trump was going to win, but he was still the magnet, and everyone was reactionary to his comments, his tweets, and whatnot. He still remains the magnet. There doesn't appear right now to be in the 20 candidates on the left running a singular force who is driving the conversation. They're all still reactionary to Trump. Is it smart politics for Biden to target Trump and not target the field, or does he risk being reactionary? You know, the, the Democrats say that, uh, that they want to talk about issues, and I, and I believe they do, and the number one issue comes up is climate change, and you'll see that over and over in the polls again. But I think there's an underlying thing that people aren't really saying. They want to be Trump because they realize that unless Donald Trump is beaten, they don't get climate change. They don't get transportation infrastructure. They don't get all the things they want to get. They've got to beat Trump first. That's just the situation – Uh, that they're in. All right, coming up, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk about the escalating situation in Venezuela. We have uh, Congressman John Garamendi. He's a Democrat from California. He's going to join us to give us uh, an update on the situation in in Venezuela. Uh, Much more with the panel. Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist. Rick Tyler, Republican strategist. And I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out, as well as my colleagues on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Really now what we're seeing is the people of Venezuela, this has been building for a long time, uh, that if this effort fails, uh, they will sink into a dictatorship from which uh, there are very few possible alternatives. That was National Security Advisor John Bolton talking to reporters at the White House earlier Tuesday afternoon. Uh, This, uh, as he also added, that President Trump wants to see a peaceful transition of power in Venezuela as the situation continues to escalate with Venezuelan opposition leader, the interim president, Juan Guaido, uh, rallying for military support in a bold attempt to seize control of the country from 
dictator Nicolas Maduro. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I'm joined by Rick Tyler, a Republican strategist, and Kevin Walling, a Democratic strategist. And we've been following the situation today. Uh, coming up, we're going to hear from Congressman John Garamendi. We'll get his take on it as well. He's a Democrat from California. What's interesting, though, Rick, is that this is a nonpartisan issue. You have Speaker Pelosi, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. They're in agreement that the, the current that, – that the Venezuelan people have elected Juan Guaido uh, to be their president. And the U.S., President Trump, as well as Democratic leadership are offering their support to that. Yeah, it's one of the issues where I think we're uh, – Democrats and Republicans are unified and I think uh, – President Trump deserves credit for recognizing Guaido as, as the legitimate uh, leader of Venezuela. Uh, but we're in a dangerous situation. We've watched revolu- I've watched many revolutions during my lifetime, mostly uh, in Europe. And now we have another one in, in the uh, Western Hemisphere. And I think, um, look, to me, when, when Mike Pence tweets out, you know, we're with you, what does that mean? We're, to me, we're with you means we're, surprised, we're, support, we're supporting them in some way, training, weapons, air cover, something, not just we're with you. We have to mean it when we say we're with you because we've got a lot at stake in Venezuela uh, because if that f- collapses, the Chinese are interested in Venezuela because of their oil and the Russians are supporting Venezuela. And uh, ironically, Cuba used to be a Venezuelan client state. Now it's – imagine this. Cu- the Venezuela is actually a Cuban client state. That's how bad it is. Wow. Yeah, and it's been horrifying. I mean, Venezuela used to be one of the most prosperous countries uh, in that region, uh, and now 80% of Venezuelans don't have access to food right now. Uh, Three million have left. Three million Venezuelans have left since 2014. I want to see more than just tweets, uh, as Rick points out, from Mike Pence, from John uh, uh, Bolton, uh, from uh, the president on this. I want to see some real international engagement on this. And, and the president could could be very serious and, and, and rally folks to, to uh, the side of democracy elements in that country if he showed some presidential leadership. So, so there's been many key developments, and you can catch up on all of this because the headlines have really been flying across the Bloomberg uh, terminal. Uh, Juan Guaido posted a video calling it, quote-unquote, Operation Liberty. Maduro tweeted himself that the military is still backing him. Uh, and top U.S. officials have all, uh, and both parties that we've been reporting, have weighed in with words of support for Guaido. And Rick, you you brought up Cuba. President Trump uh, surveyed the events and, and saw Cuba as the an antagonist. That uh, he he essentially had said that the the Caribbean island socialist government has long had a presence in Venezuela. To your point and has supplied the regime with personnel ranging from doctors to intelligence officers. So many are blaming Cuba for the humanitarian crimes inflicted on dissidents. He said on Twitter, quote, if Cuban troops and militia do not immediately cease military and other operations for the purpose of causing death and destruction to the constitution of Venezuela, a full and complete embargo together with the highest level sanctions will be placed on the island of Cuba. Hopefully, all Cuban soldiers will promptly and peacefully return to their island, end quote. So uh, this, this is a situation, I mean, the economic impacts of this uh, reverberating uh, throughout the region. It has obviously impacts on, uh, on trade relations with Cuba that are tense. And, of course, the energy sector with Venezuelan oil, uh, uh, Venezuela 
oil sanctions and the prospect for that. We're joined on the phone by Congressman John Garamendi. He is a Democrat uh, from California. Uh, Congressman, thanks for, for joining us. Uh, your your reaction to the, the situation in Venezuela tonight? Well, I think, like everybody, I'm very, very concerned about what's going on there. Uh, the Maduro government has to go, and hopefully it'll go peacefully. Uh, the uh, current changes that are occurring with the uh, apparently some of the uh, Venezuelan military now uh, changing sides, I think that's a good sign. Now, if the rest of them would come along, we'd get a decent government in there. So in term, you're a Democrat, and what would you like to see the administration do differently? Or how do, you, how do you grade them in terms of how this administration has handled the response to Venezuela? Well, just basically, it's chaotic and uh, not clear in their messaging and not clear about how they intend to move forward. So the building of a strong 50-foot was a very important and critical element in addressing the Venezuelan situation. I would hope that going forward, the... Uh, Trump administration does not use the American military. There may be some humanitarian things that uh, we can do, perhaps with the military, but to avoid that would be very, very important. And we ought to allow the uh, Latin American countries to take the lead on any action that may be uh, occurring in Venezuela. Congressman John Garamendi joins us on the telephone line. He is a Democrat uh, from the from California. He's also a member, a committee member of the House Committee on Infrastructure. Major developments at the White House today on the issue of infrastructure. Congressman, I was at the White House. You know, we, we watched Speaker Pelosi as well as Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer come out and say that they had a positive meeting with President Trump on what they're hoping will be a two trillion dollar infrastructure plan that will include broadband how are they going to pay for it well isn't that a good question <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and until that question is answered uh we don't have a plan we don't have a program uh, we have a program that may be uh 120th of the two trillion until uh, we figure out how to pay for it and i think there's some very good ways to pay for it the uh, the tax cut that occurred uh in december of 17 that uh, president trump and the Republicans take such uh, pride in, actually really helped the richest Americans, the top 1%, uh, giving them even more money in their pocket. Uh, the rest of the uh, American public was left with, with something. It was useful. But the real break went to the top, top 1%, the top 10%, and American corporations, some of whom don't pay taxes, like Amazon. So there are ways that money can be raised, and I would suggest we look at that. You know, you mentioned the, the the tax bill, and what's interesting is that House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, a Republican from California, your state, I'm sure you've heard of Kevin McCarthy, he, he oh, responded yeah. directly to the Democratic argument to, to use the tax bill to pay for infrastructure. I want to play for you what, what Kevin McCarthy, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, had to say today, earlier today, uh, when he was asked about the infrastructure uh, debate. Here, here's Leader McCarthy. Here he is. They're walking into a meeting today saying you have to change the tax cuts to the American public and raise taxes on the American public if they were to go along with an infrastructure bill. I think that's a loss. 
So your response, Congressman John Garamendi, to your Republican colleague from, from your state? Well, I certainly didn't say that. I said quite something quite different, and I'm sure <laughs> my Democratic colleagues did. Sure, Kevin's going to spin this to his own purposes. But and for the record, you're talking about incorrect. Kevin McCarthy, not Kevin Cirilli. That is correct, Kevin. I'm not. You never spin things to any purpose other than good. Thank you. Um, the, the, the reality is that the tax break, 80% of the more than trillion and a half dollars of tax reductions went to the top 1% and American corporations. Um, now, that's where the action is. The rest of Americans, they did get a tax cut. And I'm not suggesting, no Democrat is suggesting that any changes take place there. It is to reverse those tax cuts that the super wealthy have and the American corporations that are not building jobs in America but rather going with corporate stock buyback. That, again, helps the wealthy, not Joe Sixpack uh, on the street. All right, I want to thank Congressman John Garamendi. He's a Democrat from California. He's a member of the House Infrastructure Committee, a good friend of the program. And I know you're busy, Congressman, so thank you, thank you for making the time to come on uh, our program. We appreciate it. I'm joined here in studio with Republican strategist Rick Tyler and Democratic strategist Kevin Walling. Quickly, in the in the less than a minute that we have left, uh, your thoughts on what we heard from the congressman, Rick. Well, quick wrap. I'm concerned about the exclusion of military force in, in Venezuela, and I'll tell you why. Because I know people don't want to go back to endless wars, right? But th- this is not an ISIS ideologically driven. This is a weak power politics government, and the people want an overthrow. And these this, these people have experienced uh, they they have they have been experienced more toward democracy, and I think we need to help them militarily. And if we don't, uh, Cuba, uh, Venezuela will not be free. Yeah, Rick and I are in agreement. I don't think we take it off the table. I, I think more emphasis should be placed on empowering neighbors uh, in that region to to take ownership, but we shouldn't take it off the table. All right. Well, we covered it all today. We literally covered it all. The tweets, the world, the and agree on coalition building. That's very important. And coming up, we're going to continue this conversation on the Sound On Extra podcast. You can find it on iTunes, on the Sound On page, and you can also listen to the Sound On show at Bloomberg.com, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. We thank our partners for that. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Osage County, Oklahoma, is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story, about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth, and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.